0: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest here with us today on the I Drink from Skulls podcast. We have a man that knows all of my deep and dark secrets. He's the killer from Carolee, the legend from the liquor industry. He's a family man, father, founder and CEO, my dad, Mr. Jeff Smith. Welcome to the I Drink from Skulls podcast.
1: Wow, Matthew. Thank you. What a wonderful introduction.
0: You like that intro?
1: (laughs) I loved it. That was
0: special, but I don't know if I deserve it, uh, but I'll take it anyway. Yeah, you're a killer, and um, once people get to hear what you've done and, and who you are, um, I'm sure they will agree. Ah, let's go. I drink from school. Drink from the schools of my enemies. So just on that note, Dad, who the hell
1: is Jeff Smith? Well, firstly, I'm your dad and Jody's dad uh, and and uh, Leanne's husband but i was born in the late 50s so i'm a baby boomer in melbourne i come from a really close family uh my mother her whole life was about her family and her children and uh and she instilled those sort of things into to 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 all our kids and uh my father was a civil engineer so we traveled around australia a lot uh we probably spent two years in any town or city and uh I did that from you know grade one right through to when I ended up at St Edmunds in grade eleven and finished my schooling in Ipswich. Uh, doing a stint in North Queensland at a, um, a great boarding school called Mount Carmel College. You know, for a lot of people, going to new schools and having to you know make new friends and it's it makes it tough growing up. But I learned a lot from it because I met new people. I uh, learned about new places. And um, yeah, it, I think it's better than sitting in one spot for forty years. Just moving around and learning about this great country.
0: Yeah, nice. So you've been in, you've been
1: around the block a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I've been around the block a lot, Matty. You know that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, when I left school, I studied accounting and administration at QUT. Um, I only ever had three jobs. The first one was at a transport company called W Quinson Co, sort of a junior clerk there, and I was studying at QUT and I moved to a company called Dorf Industries, who are a major uh, manufacturer of plumbing products. Most people would have heard of Dorf Industries, and uh, they were a great company. And I was with them for six or seven years before I moved into the wine industry, a company called Samuel Smith & Sonia Lumber Wines, uh, where I spent the next nearly 30 years at An amazing family owned business, the biggest family owned winery uh, in Australia samuel smith and some was your lumber plus uh, lots of other brands agency brands uh beer and whiskey but mostly wine and um, very very prominent in uh, imported wines and a great company to work for a family that made you part of their family and uh, they taught me so much in life and in business and uh, great they were great people to work for and that's why It was hard to leave them. That's why I stayed there so long.
0: I love that. You mentioned something there that I want to dig into a little bit more. You got your base doing accounting numbers and sort of bucking the trend by, you know, most accountants, they might stereotypically be a little bit boring, wear glasses, you know, all that sort of jazz. But you became the state manager of uh, what ended up being a very dominant and powerful um, and successful wine company, liquor company. So I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into that. You are only, was it 26 or 28 at that stage where you became the state manager?
1: Yeah, I was, um, I think I was 26 when I first went to work for Samuel Smith and Sonia Lumberwines. Gotcha. And uh, I went there as an accountant, administration manager, and uh, I wasn't a trainee accountant at Dorf, and I didn't like accounting. So the general manager of that business, I, he uh, he realized that and he realized that I wanted to get out and sell. And I just had this, this itch that had to be scratched. I wanted to sell and, uh, I didn't want to sit and count. So he, he, uh, he's realized that and he, uh, we spoke a lot. He was a great guy. And so I went out as a sales rep, uh, I did Toowoomba, um, Ipswich, for Dorf industries, and there was some great, so I did stores like mad berries and Mitre 10 and, and sold tapware. And I was in my early twenties and I just, and I did fairly well. I ended up with a promotion to, uh to the assistant sales manager, and I just had the bug and I loved it. And, uh, I didn't want to go back to accounting, but, uh, the guy who's the accountant at, uh, at Dorf Industries moved over to Yulumba, um, about 12 months before I did. And, uh, he rung me one day and said, you've got to come and join this company. Come over, as an Cause I'm moving to South Australia. And he said, there'll be an opportunity here for you. And, um, and, uh, they're just a great business and great people and just come in over as the accountant and see what happens. Well, you know, <laughs> he was pretty right. He saw the future because, uh, uh, within two years, uh, the state manager of, uh, the business in Queensland made a misstep. Uh, that's all I want to say about that. But the boss came up, um, he sat us around the boardroom table. There was two sales managers who'd been there for almost 10 years each, uh, I'd been there two or 18 months as, a, as an administration manager and he had some keys in his hands and he said, okay, Kevin's gone. Uh We need to move on. He flicked the keys across the table. They landed in front of me and he said, Smithy's the new boss. <laughs> and these guys were, they went almost purple with rage because I, I'd only been there 10 minutes. Yeah. And they knew the industry. I'd didn't know much about it. I was a bean counter. Anyway, it sort of <laughs> that gave me a lot of inspiration as I moved on to make sure, sure that, that I was successful so that those guys, uh, you know, they said a lot of stuff about me that there was no way an ac- you know, a young accountant could do or, or lead them and do the job that they did. And, uh, and I proved them wrong, I, I think. Well, I think I did. I'm
0: sure I did. Yeah. You shared some pretty amazing nuggets there. We won't go too deeply into why the. Person before you got booted out, but what I do want to focus on um, was that he there was a misstep there. Was that the first time you saw? Like we can give the viewers a bit of juice, a bit of goss, a little bit here. But did you? Is that where you sort of sensed the importance of culture? Long story short, there was something going on, and the culture had gone bad, toxic, if you will, and that's your introduction to it.
1: Yeah. So that had had done this, you know, we're up here and everyone else is down there. Uh, his wife at functions, His everything about them was, um, they weren't inclusive to people. It was us and them. And, uh, oh, yeah. I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot from that, that, uh, you know, you, you can do much better by, le- by leading people with you, including them, um, letting them make decisions. Um, and that's where we based the whole genesis of our business around. Uh, so anyway, that inspired me, um, to do it a different way. And, uh, so I wanted my staff to be part of my team. I was just mad about selling. I wanted to sell. I wanted to grow the company by selling. What, what could I do to make the brands bigger? So I put some, some pretty good deals together. I went out and I met the biggest five players in the state, uh, who in those days, Coles and Woolworths weren't around. So they were independent hoteliers and they were good blokes and you know, a few lunches here, a few games of golf there, and some good deals. And we were starting, our business started to rock along a bit. And I came up with a concept that um, ended up being quite successful. And that was, we put a deal together for, a you know, a family business that had four or five pubs that had bought X number of cartons off us one year. And we offered them an overseas trip with us, fund, fully funded, and uh, if they purchased x number of cartons the next year so it gave us you know 10 to 15 percent growth year on year and we did that with the the top sort of 10 or 15 retailers in the state and then we picked out some of the best restaurants and included them and use the same sort of concept we made sure the trips were so good that everyone wanted to go on yeah they, it was just, every everyone talked about it when they came back they said how good it was and how well they were looked after. We didn't fly up the front of the plane and treat them like um, superstars. But when we, you know, when we got them there, so the first, first one we did was to New Zealand, went to a, a rugby test, um, and that was great. That was in 1988. And the next one we did, I think we did to South Australia, m- really small sort of stuff. And then I sort of bugger this, we'll do something a little bit bigger. And we did San Francisco. Oh, wow. And uh that sort of set the pace for the next 10 years. And, uh, you know, uh, as the years went on, we did Rio de Janeiro and Greek islands, you know, reality, they were sort of paying for the trip because they were buying more and more. They had to buy more and more every year, but it was, was case related. They funded it and they became a bit of a family. Publicans, older publicans will tell you that went on our trips that they became mates and, uh, they, they shared a bond and, and Queensland, the Queensland liquor industry the publicans back in the old days were, they were all great mates. They weren't competitors, they were great mates. Yeah. And we, we were part of that. We were part of bringing them together. And, uh, you know, lots of people copied us and as time went on, trips became ho-hum, but we did it, you know, we were the first ones to do it and we did it well. And, and we rewarded people for, um, for supporting us.
0: I love that. I've done a lot of study and, uh, research on. Uh, the principles of influence um, and persuasion and things like that, and what you've described there is one of the key things. Is like unity. You've created a family. You've created an environment that people actively wanted to be a part of. A real us and them thing that was so smart in the way that you've structured it because they had to buy. They had to buy your stuff to get in the trip, and people were making sure that they were on that trip. But in within those trips. You were building really strong relationships, and I want to sort of touch on that a little bit further, um, because like you went, you started as a twenty eight year old, very fresh to the industry. Fast forward thirty years, you, got, you you'd build a business and a culture uh, that was had become one of the most dominant players in the game. Do you put that down to to some of the things you mentioned there, building relationships? Like these are things that people could do in any industry. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, that that
1: was part of it. The other thing was that we worked for a company. It, Robert Hill Smith had a, an ethos that you, you over-deliver. So what he put in the bottle was always, and what he sold it for, it was always worth a bit more. He never left you wanting and saying, I paid $5 too much for that bottle of wine. It's not, not a $20 bottle of wine. He would give you a, a $20 bottle of wine for $15 and that there's a great lesson in that. So whenever people bought wines from lumber, or, and, and, and most of the other brands at lumber, or Samuel Smith and Sundu, they over-delivered and, um, and they had a reputation for that. And, uh, and you know, I think that sort of follows through to most things in life. If you give people a good product at a good price, they'll come
0: back and support you. hundred percent. That's uh, a timeless, ageless value add there that, uh, if, if you it, get that right. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something before that I want to dig a little bit deeper in, and that's sort of building a culture. Because I saw it firsthand um, growing up, you know, you'd, you'd throw me a Guernsey and I'd do a few deliveries here and there and training and, and stuff like that. But I got to see firsthand the culture that you'd built, and you did extremely well by Identifying what we would call them referral partners, they, they became your clients, your customers, where you built key relationships with the right people, the, the decision makers, the stakeholders that can really drive you forward. But you couldn't just if if that's all you did, it would run into a heat because the team wouldn't be there to back it up and support it. And I saw you get the culture dot in. Could you share some things about how you built culture and how you got people to buy into what you were doing?
1: Well, I mean, the most important thing is to make the right selection when. You know you, you're you're employing someone and make sure it's someone that you think can fit that culture and that wants to be a team player and not someone that goes off and does their own shit yeah. and um and so we did that um sometimes you're right sometimes you get that wrong that that just happens but for most of the time we we got it pretty right and we had you know it's pretty simple um you work better as a team than you do as a group of individuals and uh you know all our um our the structure of our deals and our incentives and everything were based around the team winning yeah uh not just the individual we got the team together and we we were (laughs) we had a reputation that we played hard but we bloody worked hard as well um and and we had a reputation for that as well so um, you know, back in the '80s, '90s, you know, late '80s, uh, '90s, two thousands, uh, we were a company that that everyone wanted to work for in the industry. We, when you know, anyone left another business, they'd ring, try and put their name down to see if we had anything, and everyone wanted to work for us because we had this great community, um, family, uh, family orientated uh, culture that you know, people were inclusive. So we gave them. Yeah, and you give people, you know, give them the tools to do their job and let them go and do it, and if they don't do it, then you, you need to do something about it, but you've got to give them the opportunity to do yep. it, and uh, and don't micromanage them. If you might need to micromanage someone, they shouldn't be in your business. Great share. I just
0: want to do, dig a little bit deeper there, because that was gold, and I, because I know a little bit more about this, but. From a financial point of view, these people could go and work for the biggest companies. They could go and get bigger money. But like you said, they were still, they'd put their name down with you. Is that kind of what you're, you're putting that down to? We wanted people to hop out of bed and go, wow, I want to go and sell some wine for, for
1: Samuel Smith and so and, and not dread getting out of bed and just doing it as a job. And, yeah. Um, and I think we did that. Um, our incentives were, you know, were pretty good at. We, we didn't pay as much as some of the bigger companies, but if you, if you did well, you, you were remunerated well. And, uh, um, it, it's like, I guess, uh, you know, in certain footy teams that people want to play for yeah. and we'll pay, you know, we'll play for less money, um, because they want to win a premiership. And, you know, back in the, near the nineties, we were winning premierships. I love
0: that. Absolutely love that. He so really instilled a, like a purpose that everyone was buying into, and that's, uh, that's amazing. want to um, focus the days since um, Samuel Smith and Sonny Wines? You, you retired from that business. It's, um, it's the liquor industry. It's a young man's game. Not that you weren't keeping up with it, but you sort of sensed it was time to move on and do something different, and you started I did. A, uh, tell us a little bit about what you did next.
1: Well, you know, I was getting close to 55, and I, I sort of looked ahead and went, well, you know, I can't do the travel anymore. There's a lot of travel, a lot of entertainment, as you know. Um, yeah. Uh, I was on the road a lot, you know, you know, I was in South Australia three or four times a year. I was in North Queensland a couple of times a year, and I was on the road with, 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 my staff, with reps and stuff. You, you, and you weren't, if you weren't entertaining, you were traveling to, you know, marketing meetings or whatever. And, uh, and I just felt I'd done it enough. I was a bit exhausted and, uh. So at 55, we decided. Uh, Leanne and I decided that we'd uh, that I'd I'd retire from your lumber, and we bought a little business, a meat a retail business, at, uh, the, uh like a mobile butcher uh, business that goes to produce markets. And so we bought one truck in 2010, another one in 2011. So they were meant to be just something to do in retirement, uh, give us something to do. And add a little bit of cash flow, then we added another one and another one, and it <laughs> ended up being um, quite a decent sort of business. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we so we've applied the same principles in that business as Robert Hill Smith and John Alden, people like that taught me in, um, in, in uh, the wine business and, uh, and that's over deliver and service the shit out of them. Yeah. And that's what we do. I love that. We've got that, that spot where the, where the price and the, and the. And the quality, give great quality uh, for a reasonable price, and I think we're there. We've, um, we've. It took us years to get our portfolio of products uh, to where we wanted them, and we're we're there, and uh, we'll I have been for quite some time. But as you know, we started off part of a franchise, and uh, and they didn't have those values. Yeah. As far as quality goes, they started to slip a bit, so we went out on our own because your name's on the on the till, and um, if you um, if you if you're not delivering the quality and uh you know, then it's it's you that people look at and uh so we went, Well, if people are gonna look at us for not delivering the the right product, then uh we need to deliver we need to do something about it. So we did. And we built a great portfolio of products that we're really proud of and and that uh, you know, people come to, you know, we're at six produce markets around Brisbane. Great little business. Um, we really enjoy it. Um, it's sunny on the weekends, but a fair bit of work during the week, getting it all ready. You know, as I said, the, you know, the, the, the same values, the work in the wine industry, work in the meat industry, work in any industry, um, service people well and deliver good product at a reasonable price and, uh, you'll be successful. I want
0: to dig in there. You live and die by the core values and you know you just shared them but how big of a like just for perspective for people how big of a decision was it for you to you had to leave the system the franchise they were they were violating the core values in your eyes and you know we know what really happened there but it was a big move to make and but you had to do it so sort of i want people to get some some value out of that how did you you knew you had to do it how did you make that call
1: well, yeah, it, it was a tough one, actually, yeah. because um, we weren't very experienced in, well, we weren't experienced at all in meat, and we relied on them to do the selection of, of, of you know, with, with full range of of beef and pork and chicken, and and they bought it all and sold it to you and told you to put a certain margin on it and then resell it, and you just relied on them. Uh, we didn't know a whole lot about it, so we had to learn pretty quickly, yeah. and but but we knew. We couldn't keep, and it, you know, it, it's pretty simple. If you, if you, you give someone something that's not up to standard and you're charging them a, not an exorbitant price, but a, a fair sort of a price, they don't come back no. to you. Uh, there's lots of other options. So lots of other people around that sell the same stuff you do. So you've got to give them a good experience and you've got to give them good value. So we went out and worked our butts off and that was, uh, when we, when we moved from there, we really worked hard to. And we had, you know, we had to build relationships. We've got nine great suppliers now that, that, uh, and farmers and, um, you know, in the poultry, uh, beef, lamb and, and pork industries that, um, that look after us and, uh, they, they share the same values we do. And, uh, yeah, so it makes for a successful business if you deliver to your customers a good product at a good price.
0: I think that's a, it's a big takeaway there for anyone that's watching along. Maybe they've got the they've they didn't realise at the time but they're in business with the person that does not align to their core values for any number of reasons, but particularly long story short, if they're not delivering on what they say and it's just and you can't stand it anymore, you do have to make that that tough call. Like you did, Dad. You you had to essentially restart the business with, with very limited knowledge. You went out and build relationships yeah. with the right people. You have to make those tough calls.
1: You know what, Matty? It kind, it, it kind of shocked me a bit because in the wine industry, integrity is everything. And um, so everyone is so proud of the paddock that they own, that they grow Riesling in that paddock, and it's from this area. And that's what's great about it. It's That's its stamp. That's who it is. That's its DNA. Uh, we got to the meat industry. And you know, people were selling. These guys were selling us stuff that was supposed to be Angus, and Yearling, and MSA, and it wasn't. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. So yeah, we we needed to to be with people who had the same sort of uh, values that we had, and integrity. We we don't want to sell our customers something that's uh, not what we say it is. Yeah. It, it yeah, that's really important to us as well. Absolutely. And should be in any industry, but. Yeah, the wine industry is a great barometer um, or um, example of uh, integrity, you know, off, off the charts. People are proud that they grow Riesling in the Eden Valley or uh, Shiraz in the Brossa Valley or, you know, Chardonnay in the Hunter, Um because that's where those grapes grow really well and, uh, and uh, that's, that's why you buy that wine and, you know, meat should be the same. That makes sense. Unfortunately,
0: with some people, it's not, but with us, it is. <laughs> and that that same principle applies to the construction, roofing, any any type of trade or service, anything in business at all. You've got to do what you say, and like you mentioned, if you can over deliver, you'll always have great customers. And yep. integrity is everything. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt in the world. Any tips? I'm going to circle back to we we dug into it a bit before, but any tips on building teams and and culture and things like that before we move on to the next sort of thing? Well, uh, you know, the best thing is to, that I
1: always found, was be inclusive with people. Make them feel part of the, if you win, make them feel part of the win. Don't ever degrade anyone in front of someone else. If you need to get up someone, you pull them aside and do it privately. That's the worst thing you can do. But just you know, create a team environment by getting everyone together and incentive, making incentives group group related. Yep. That that really works. That you know, and you find people. You know, our reps used to ring one another and say, you know, I only needed to sell another five cards of this or ten cards, of this. and they work as a group to try and get the incentive because, um, and even if it wasn't, you know, wasn't a huge financial incentive, just the 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 fact that their team would be mentioned at the sales meeting that they sort of won most sales for a particular product was incentive enough for them to you know get in and have a go yeah it's just part of part of being a team and um and giving people the responsibility if you give them a, a job you let them go and do it and if they if they don't do it then you do something about it that works so well for us and that came right down from the the top in uh, uh, from robert ill smith and and John Auld and Ralph Dunning and some of the greats of the wine industry. That was, that was, um, the way they built the business and, the, and it's so successful. For,
0: for full perspective for our viewers, what was the size of the team, um, in Queensland and, and Australia wine? Ooh, I had 55 odd staff in
1: Queensland and, uh, about sixty-five in New South Wales, so uh, and then you know the wineries and uh, you know production and all that sort of stuff. There are a lot of a lot of stuff. so you know maybe maybe seven or eight hundred people. Um, that's small. No, no, big a big family business. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, That's great. I'm
0: going to move on to a bit of a different subject. Um, being a dad yeah. and, a, and a role model, I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, you've you've seen you've had the the highest of highs, the lowest of lows with being a dad. Um you've always been a great role model being successful in business and family and stuff like that, but with with myself it's it's reasonably well known that I had some troubles in my twenties with you know, like drugs and alcohol and addiction and things like that, and yep. you helped me get through that. That sort of thing I'm seeing a lot in in the industries that I help people with. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. like what advice have you got for dads out there? how can they what What did you see work well? um first hand dealing with some of that harder, heavier stuff that a lot of people go through. Um just
1: yeah. We knew that you're a good person and um that's the ingredient. That's the main ingredient. You if you were a, sort of a write off and couldn't give a w we knew you went off the path a bit, so to speak. Yeah. But we knew there was a good person there and um we knew that you could get back on the on the and so we supported you right through as much as we could. We didn't um you know, some people will run away from a problem. Yeah. We, we thought we ran to it because we knew you'd come through it. You know, there are others, other people that have different sort of, you know, they might might be able to come through it because they don't want to come through it. Yeah. But, um, we knew that you would, the ingredients were there. You're a good, good person. And we'd instilled, um, good family values into you and, uh, we knew they'd come through. And I had mates say to me, look, don't worry, Matthew's a good kid and you're a good family. And he'll he'll come through this and uh that, that helped us through all that. And uh we're so proud of what you've done. You you've come through that and uh come out the other side with flying colours and your mother and I are so proud
0: of you. Thanks, Dad. I'd cry, but it's not uh it's not part of my brand. I'm I'm all about drinking the tears of haters and stuff like that, but I do appreciate it. <laughs> Skulls don't cry. <laughs> but I sure do appreciate that. And I think some people will get some value out of that too. because uh, – any type of addiction, or all ty- all families of all shapes, walks, and sizes go through different problems. Yep. and you back them as best you can.
1: Yeah, we've we've seen it with um you know, gambling addictions, um, any addiction. And you know, some people have addictive addictive behaviour and addictive genes, yep. and um they they get hooked on things and so they just can't get off them. And and you know it's a, it's a it's an illness, and you've got to recognise that. And then try and help them get over it. And, uh, you know, fortunately our family, there's been someone involved in gambling and someone involved in And both of them have come through and out the other side and are now much better people. And uh, so that can happen. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to end up leaving society or, you know, scraping the bottom. You, you would, And if you've got good people around you, you, you can come
0: through it. Yeah. And you did, and we were really proud of it. I guess for people that don't, where they're, you know, families cut them off or they don't have good family there are different support things out there in the roofing industry there's uh roofers uh helping roofers in recovery um and there are these people out there that can help they want to help they've been through it themselves so if you are struggling we you know got to build that support base you've got to want to do it too there's no there's no denying that
1: yeah
0: and you know everyone should try and you know no matter who they are whether
1: you're related or not, yeah. Uh, if you're a friend or um, just even an acquaintance, if you can, you know, whisper something nice in someone's ear and help them get back, every little thing helps, you know, get them back on the path. If they, they're two foot off the path and you can put a half an inch in towards them getting back on the path, then you've, then you've helped. I've always believed in that and, um, you know, I've always believed in, you know, treating people the way you want to be treated yourself and uh and you know i think that's worked worked well for me in life and hopefully
0: it's worked well for my children and my grandchildren yeah fantastic before we wrap up the this bit little bit on addiction i will share when you can put your addictive personality to the right thing when you find that thing you're very very powerful because you've got that supreme focus that not many people have um, and I found that with yep. advertising and business and stuff like that. So, yeah, just thought I'd share that. Yeah, um, what right. could say that you're addicted to skulls and advertising now,
1: <laughs> which is not a bad thing to be addicted to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Most definitely. <laughs> on a on a lighter note, where to? What's what's next for Jeff and Leanne Smith? What are you guys doing in? Like, what are your plans and? Do you want well we life? think
1: we'll go for the
0: Christmas. We want to uh, Jody wants
1: to keep the business going so she's going to take it over and uh we're going to retire at Christmas. We, and we'll still do some stuff. We'll still do the buying for or admin and um uh, but we won't be going to markets and doing the physical work and stuff anymore. Uh she'll employ people to do that and we'll start doing some traveling. Uh we've got a few parts of the world that we we haven't been to the east coast of the U S and Canada and, uh, Scandinavia. We haven't been to, we've done, um, you know, all the, all the real tourist spots like Rome and London and Paris and that sort of place. We've done them to death a little bit. So we want to get off the beaten track and do one really good overseas trip and then do a few uh, trips around Australia and, uh, what you know, different places in Australia and, uh, just enjoy our, our, uh, later
0: years and is that something you you recommend um people do Because some people, like you you the way you did business and life you you got to experience a lot of things along the way whereas some people like you've worked extremely hard but some people all they do is work and they don't get to experience life and then they get to the end of the the journey and they might not be able to do it is, is there any advice there for for people
1: well, yeah. So, uh, you know, we've had, uh, Leanne and I have had probably half a dozen pretty good friends in the last four or five years um, go earlier than we would have, you know, in their early 70s or whatever. We're not that old yet, but uh, we're, you know, we're sort of getting into our 60s now. And uh, they missed the opportunity to, ret- you know, they kept working and working and, and didn't really enjoy anything at the end of their lives. We just think we'd like to have five or six years where we just, don't have to worry about, um, you know, you know stop coming in and uh, staff and, uh, you know, waking up early and all those sorts of things you do when you've got a business um, and just um, waking up and looking at the surf and, you know, just enjoying life. And uh, uh, that's what we want to do. We've seen, uh, you know, people retiring too early. and um, uh, Or not sorry, early enough. Not early yeah. enough. Uh, yeah the other side of that is you know we know a lot of people that have retired too early and um and haven't had a plan um and uh you know they go a bit stale and get a bit bored and uh yeah so it's important it's just as important as you you plan your working life to plan your retirement life and don't don't waste the time yeah because uh the years just fly by and uh
0: uh
1: you got to make the most of them yeah. and that's what we hope to do
0: Yep. Fantastic. I look yeah. forward to you, uh I'll get you to
1: I'll help you yeah, put hopefully some we'll, we'll, stories we'll up. Great baby, we'll be great babysitters too. Uh, yes.
0: Yes, that would be good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have another little one on the way, so that would be great. And um look forward to you sharing your you know, when that happens next year, different parts of Australia and around the world. Uh seeing you live that that side of life. Um Jeff Smith, my dad, you've been absolutely fantastic. You yeah. have Drunk from the Skulls of Your Enemy, uh, thank you very much for, for joining us today and sharing some of the, some of the greatest insights we've had uh, on the show so far. Um, any final words before we, we wrap things up? My
1: absolute pleasure. And I'm going to let your mother know that you said hello. Did you say hello?
0: <laughs> All righty.
1: <laughs> All right. She loves you. Hey, Mark. So, so I. <laughs> All
0: right, mate. <laughs> thank you so much. That was great. Pleasure <laughs> to be there. Thanks, Mark. And that's a wrap.